Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. If I put an ad out and it's I'm not getting any bites on it within like the first three to four days, then um, I can pretty much be sure that that's not going to work. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each and every week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs just like you. In this episode, you'll learn how to use Reddit to get feedback on your products, how to test a t-shirt design with ads without wasting your money, and how to create a fashion design brand without having a design background. Today, I'm joined by Ryan McCarthy from Sugoi Shirts. Sugoi Shirts designs and sells Japanese pop culture and anime-inspired streetwear, and was started in 2015 in Besa, Buffalo, New York. Welcome, Ryan. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell us a bit more about who's buying these shares. Like, give us an idea of who your customer is. So our customer is uh, pretty specific. We have the we have the demographics locked down here. So it's uh, pretty much eighteen to twenty four year old males, um, and we do have we do have uh, females too, but uh, definitely a more of a male dominated industry, and um, mostly uh, United States. But we have touched uh, sales over in the UK, Australia and uh, other parts of Europe as well. Nice. So how did you identify that there was uh, this market? Like, what, What's your background? How did you uh, decide right. on this particular niche? Sure. Uh, so my, uh, my, my background actually is uh, I am my audience. So um, I think it's very important to be passionate about what you're selling and what you're, what you're doing with your brand. And uh, so it was very easy for me to identify the audience because uh, I, I come from a background of loving anime, and, um, and I'm also, uh, I'm 25, so it's, it's easy for me to sort of, uh, identify with, uh, with the audience already. Um, basically I think, uh, a lot of it comes down to, uh, I know what, what people like when it comes to the shows and when it comes to fashion and both of those are sort of, uh, in my background experience. So, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of just combined the two together and, uh, went from there. Makes sense. So you already you are you are your customer, like you said. You're already passionate about the the niche, and you would buy your own products already. So once you are sitting down and thinking about what kind of products, what kind of shirts, what kind of things to introduce into your store, do you do you 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 start with a base of you know what you would like? Would you go beyond that to understand like a way to validate whether other people uh, would like it as well? Yes. So uh, it's funny. One of the first things I did to sort of uh, validate. Uh, my my audience make sure that everything was right um was i went to reddit uh before anything and i just sort of was throwing out uh the designs that i had and something i should note too is i i do all the designs myself um so a lot of times i'll finish a design and make sure you know that people like it uh before i start advertising it or um or you know kind of pushing it out there into the market in terms of sales so i like to ask people um, their opinions on the designs before I even begin remotely selling it. Mm-hmm. So you're going to Reddit, which I think is a great uh, place. Go to a community that exists and get their feedback. What's your approach? So you have a design that you have in mind. You're going to reddit.com. Are you going to a specific subreddit? Like How are you creating the post to get that feedback? Yes, there are there's specific uh, subreddits that I sort of came across um, that I didn't even know existed. Um, I actually didn't really use Reddit a lot until I started getting into this, and uh, I, you know, Reddit just has a plethora of different uh, mm-hmm. subgenres that you can just you can tackle. And you know, if if 
if people are in those subreddits, they're generally very passionate about what, um, about that topic, you know? So in my case, uh, anime streetwear, anime fashion, it's a very niche subject. And, uh, I managed to find maybe five or 10 subreddits where people were just able to comment on my designs and give me feedback and, and let me know, uh, you know, Hey, we like this or Hey, you know, maybe don't, maybe don't run with that. <laughs> mm, makes sense. So you're, you're just creating a simple post with an image. Like what do you walk us through? Like, what's the, how do you solicit feedback? I think one of the, the reasons why people tread carefully with Reddit is that they can certainly help push your brand boss of rear's head at you if you're yes. approaching them incorrectly. So give us the tips and tricks on how to approach carefully. That's right. So, I mean, the first time I did it, I was, like I said, I didn't really have any experience with Reddit. So I went through that whole process of, of getting, uh, uh, roasted, I guess, for lack of better words, um, on, on Reddit. Um, I definitely didn't approach it right. The first couple times it was sounded too sales, uh, too salesy, I guess. Uh, so you definitely have to approach it with caution and just, you have to, you have to throw yourself in as if you are, uh, a really passionate member there, which, which I am. And I, I just, uh, wanted to make sure that it came across that way. And, um, the best way to do that for me was to put up, um, just, uh, just literally a, a screenshot of my Photoshop file with the design I was working on. It wasn't even on a t-shirt. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. Just strictly the design in the Photoshop file and just saying, Hey, you know, I have this, you know, X design here. Um, it could be, you know, I, I made sure it was very specific. Like the wording that I was choosing was very specific to what I was talking about. And, um, would you guys be able to give me some, you know, give me some feedback on this? Do you like it? Do you not like it? So, um, that's kind of how I went about it. Got it. So you're getting this feedback from them. Does this also turn into traffic and sales? Like where, where once you have the designs figured out and yeah. you found what they liked, what's next? Yeah. So, and this is very early on. This is back when I was, you know, was first starting uh, the business. Um, I don't actually haven't used Reddit quite as much lately, but um, definitely brought a lot of initial traffic because at that point I did have the site up and I did have some preliminary designs for sale. And uh, and when people started, you know, realizing that some of these designs were actually pretty cool and, and it started clicking with some of them, um, naturally without even, you know, saying, Hey, visit my, you know, having any call to actions or anything like that. Um, they would just sort of naturally gravitate towards the site because they just wanted to see what other designs I had to offer. So really it's kind of like that saying of like where your product is, is sometimes more important than, than even your marketing. Like if you don't have a good product or, or if whatever you're selling isn't, isn't uh, clicking with people, then no matter how much advertising you do, it's never gonna it's never gonna fly, you know. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about going into passionate communities, and if you if you can present a product that you know they'll like, you don't mm -hmm. need to be too pushy because they're going to be naturally curious. I think taking that salesy call to action approach is more important when you have a little bit, I guess, colder. Uh, traffic where they uh, you might not be as passionate as these communities. So that's a great point that if you can if you come into a passionate community like a subreddit that uh, that that you, the ones that you went into, you don't want to be too pushy. It can actually backfire, and it sounds like in your case <laughs> it did backfire. And I've heard numerous other cases of the same thing happening. So again, passionate community, no need to be too sales. You just present a product that you know that they will like. Exactly. So, so you mentioned that you design uh, these these t-shirts. Is that your background? Do you have a, a background in fashion design? Like, what's your what's yeah, your background? Yeah. So, so my actual background is um, in web design and uh, digital marketing. So, I uh, I came from working at an agency where I would uh, 
you know, do uh, search engine optimization work to sites. And I, I do a lot of design work in Photoshop um, and, uh, you know, putting some websites together. So I sort of I sort of had a little bit of a, I guess, a head start, you'd say, when it comes to that sort of angle, because not everybody's coming in with web design knowledge or something like that. Um, so that definitely helped me kickstart um, the store in the beginning, because I already kind of had that that knowledge going into it. And I mean, I still had a lot to learn. I mean, having run this for the past two years now, I uh, I, I didn't realize how much more there was still to, to be gained from actually going ahead into it. But um, yeah, so that was that was basically my background, just uh, working with websites, um, mm-hmm. constantly being in Photoshop, and and uh, you know, one day I was just like, hey, maybe maybe I can give us a try, you know? Yeah, that's great. So when you are creating these designs, are the concepts from scratch, or the concepts like kind of ingrained in the in the in the community? Like where where, where are you getting these ideas for 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 designs? Yes, so uh, a lot of the inspiration comes from. Um, from other people that I that I see doing work out there, so there's a lot of like cosplayers that I follow. Um, I'm also looking at, uh, at different trends in the anime world, so like you know, um, different different I guess memes that are out there, different um, uh, popular anime shows that are going on, and uh, I sort of just pull inspiration from all those, and also then I go look into the fashion world, and I, I sort of see what's what's in that world as well. And I, and I just sort of combine the two together to get the final product. So a lot of times the actual physical ideas are actually pretty random. Like I just sort of think of something that I, I genuinely like in the anime world and something that I also like that's happening in the streetwear fashion world. And then, like I said, I just, I put the two together and, and hopefully the design sticks. I like that approach of doing that research and not just sitting in your lab without any outside influence. You you are going out there looking at other influencers, looking at memes, looking at popular shows, and then reducing your risk essentially, right? Because now you know that these are already popular elements, and you're just yes. going to create your own your own spin on it. Have there been times where you have created something you're like, this is definitely going to be a hit because it pulls from all of these popular sources, and then it flops? Can you give us an example of a time like that? <laughs> yes, there is definitely there. There have been those times. Um, there are some designs that I I have finished, and I'm like, this is this is going to do great. Like, this, there's no way this can fail. And uh, and then yeah, it it ends up failing completely. Um, one of those designs was um, it, it was a it's not on the store anymore, but it was called Internet Famous. That was the name of the design, and it was basically like um, the blue verification check mark that you get mm-hmm. on uh, on social media, fused with like this sort of anime background. And people were at the time two years ago were talking about there was like this whole thing going on around uh, that check mark, and then like uh, in the anime world, there's like this meme going around. So I, I put the two together. I'm like, this is this is going to be great, and uh, nobody bid on it at all. It just it totally totally failed, which actually really surprised me at the time because I thought it was one of my better designs. But it did teach me that you know you you can you can think you have the greatest thing in the world, but until you really go out there and test it. Um, in advertising and and uh, and again, just at seeing what people think of the design, it it can sometimes uh, just not go the way you, you thought it would. Yeah, let's talk about testing a little bit because I think there's another place where people don't know how far to push it, or they they don't they push it too far and, and waste a lot of money. You recognize for this example of the flop, you recognize that you were going to be able to test it in advertising and just wasn't working, and then you pull back the reins and you even remove the product from your store. How do you know when, like, how much testing is required before you can make a decision on whether a product is going to be success or not? 
Yeah, in the in the very beginning stages of the business, I didn't really have a general sense of how long I should test something. So in the beginning, I let things run way longer than I would today. Um, so for instance, like with that design I was just talking about, I let I let a diff, uh, a whole bunch of different ad sets for that across tons of different on Google, Facebook, different uh, outlets. I let a bunch of those run for probably a good two months, just trying to scrape. Uh, any audience and uh, any data I could, and uh, it, nothing was sticking. And I, I should have realized sooner that um, that it wasn't working and just cut it. But um, today, my sort of rule of thumb is, you know, if I if I put an ad out and it's I'm not getting any bites on it within like the first three to four days, then um, I can pretty much be sure that that's not going to work. So, got it. And if you were to go back, would you take that same approach for someone that's just starting out? Should they just be testing? 34 days, like you give an idea of how much budget you would typically allocate towards testing a t-shirt design? Yeah, I, um, I would, I would say maybe, maybe in the beginning it is worth going a little longer because you might not be hitting that right audience right away. Like now I know exactly like different, exactly Mm -hmm. what different groups and what different subsets of audiences work perfectly well for me. Um, but back then, uh, two years ago, me, um, I didn't, I didn't really realize that. So I guess in in retrospect, that probably is uh, worthwhile. Like just testing uh, for a little bit longer periods of time, maybe a few weeks. I don't know if maybe two months. That was that was a little extensive. Yeah. But maybe maybe try maybe try a month or, or a couple weeks, and just set maybe five or six different ads with d- totally different audiences. Um, that are generally related to what you want to do. Um, I mean, you can get specific with it, but you know, um, try that. And then I'm I'm one of those guys where uh, I also learn from you know other mentors and everything, and, and looking around the internet and I'm watching YouTube videos. As I'm sure uh, many other people do, and a lot of people said like a general rule of thumb was try five dollars a day, and and I definitely stick to that as well. I, I totally agree with all those people that say that um, five dollars a day is a really good number to test. Um, at least in the Facebook, Instagram world, uh, AdWords is a little different, but, uh, Facebook, Instagram world, I, I think $5 a day on, on ad sets is, is perfect because it gives you a very good idea very quickly if something's working or if it's not. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying earlier, I think is important is that you don't know yet what your audience is early on, but now in your experience, you do know what it is because what you're saying is that sometimes an ad could flop because it's not the right product or the design people just don't like in general, or it just might be because it's matched to the wrong audience. But now you've figured out the audience piece, that's kind of the control that's yes. stabilized. Now you can just throw different products at it. And if it doesn't work, then you know it's most likely the product, not the audience, because you've already got that dialed down. So I think that that's like uh, it's it's people can make the wrong decisions, right? Because they 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 think that it's flopping because of the design, but it might just be because of the audience or or vice versa. Talk to us about the approach that you took to to really nail down the right audience to, to target for your your products in, in in the ads. Yeah. So um, with the audience, it was it was a little tricky in the beginning because I thought. When I went into it, I I thought I knew exactly like I, I like I said in the beginning of this interview, you know, um, I I am pretty much my audience. Like I I'm very passionate about the stuff I sell, and I would I would buy the stuff that I sell. So um, I thought right away, okay, let's let's tackle the 18 to 24 year old male who likes anime, and uh, I thought that would be enough. And it turns out that it wasn't. It was close, but it wasn't quite 
quite there yet. So um, it's it's interesting. You can think you know your audience right off the bat, um, but until you really test it, you you don't know exactly. So I uh, I pretty much nailed down the audience by by like I said, starting with that generic eighteen to twenty four year old male. Um, who likes anime. And then when I started seeing some things come back, uh, data wise from those ads that I was running, um, that weren't really making money, just, <laughs> just so people know that too, off the bat, you know, expect to lose a, a little bit of money in the beginning. You know, it's one of those, you have to spend, spend money to make money concepts. Um, so don't be afraid of losing money. Um, because the data you get back will be valuable in the end, uh, very valuable. So, uh, in terms of, if we're going to talk like specifically Facebook ads, um, I, I looked at the data coming back from the general audience that I started with, and I started getting some feedback from like the Facebook uh, pixel, and I started looking into the insights that were coming in uh, in Facebook insights, and I could see it was giving me different like breakdowns of very specific Facebook pages um, that I would have never known about uh, without you know having that data come back to me. So um, from there, I was able to look at those specific Facebook pages. And uh, sort of branch out from there and say, well, you know, if people are liking this, then maybe they'll like, uh, you know, this page or this page and, and kind of go from there. Got it. So when you're doing this kind of testing, do you try to keep the product the same? How do you know? Because I think it goes back to the other question about there are two very major variables that swing a, a, a success to, to a failure really easily, which is the product that might not be liked by anybody versus the, the audiences might not be correct. So when you are testing these different audiences out to try to develop and understanding who your target audience is, did you keep the product the same? Like, How do you know that it wasn't the product that was the, the issue, especially early on? Yeah, um, I definitely, especially early on, I definitely kept the product the same, um, only because I already had at that point, if I'm, if I'm advertising it, I'm sort of committed to that. Like I have, mm-hmm. I have made that product. It's on my site. You know, I should, I should give it the proper chance. And I should commit to it. So I, I think that was important holding true, you know, standing by, if you, if you have a product and you believe in it, I think it's important to stand by it and hopefully you find people that also stand by it. So, um, so yes, I did not change the product at all. It was all about changing audiences and 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 getting that data back from from Facebook to uh, work you know kind of comb through different uh, subsex uh, subsections of uh, audiences. So that way it would really let me know if I went through all those audiences and none of them bit, then it's probably the product at mm. that point. If that Got makes it. sense, you know that makes sense. So so to kind of reiterate, when you first started off, you committed to a product and to some degree you have to use your gut instinct as an entrepreneur to commit and decide that this is something I'm going to put all my, my put put everything into. So you, you picked the, the product, you stuck with the product, you chase up the audience to to figure out what is your audience. You discovered other varieties of your audience because you you noticed other interests, other pages that they liked through your 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 Facebook insights. And then once you've really nailed down who your target audience is, now you can start switching up the products and testing on different designs. That's correct. Got it. And what's what's your approach to to targeting with especially with Facebook? Is it mostly targeting specific pages? Like, what's your research process behind? I think I guess now it's pretty dialed down. But when you're first starting out, any recommendations on how people can can play around and try to nail down who their audience is? Yeah, a lot of it is. I mean, um, if well, if you're in my situation and you 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 have a gut instinct of what you're 
your audience might be, you know, generally go with that, with that gut instinct and, um, hop into Facebook, um, into their insights section and search, you know, different pages that you can, you can, uh, research, uh, and find out that might be related to your, to your topic or, um, you know, also look at like, you know, Facebook has different, like, uh, different things for like behaviors, like shopping behaviors and stuff like that. Uh, it can get very specific. So, um, you know, look in, look in Facebook. If you don't have a gut instinct, I would say go to Facebook insights and, and look around in there and, and sort of just kind of go off of, uh, I mean, you should have a general idea of, of if, if you're selling something, you know, start, you know, with a, with a keyword or something like that, that you can search, um, mm-hmm. in Facebook insights and see what, what you can find with that. Also, um, just look around like, uh, like, like I was saying in the beginning too. um, you know, keep, keep up on trends and look around at what else is going around, uh, in the world with your specific niche. So, um, make sure you follow other, other, in my case, I, I followed a lot of other brands, um, that inspired me to do what I'm, I'm doing now and, uh, seeing what they were doing. And, um, you know, so I guess competitor research is also important, um, and just and just looking around at different blogs, news articles, like just just look around as much as you can on on social media everywhere. Got it. And you mentioned uh, that you when you were testing out these ads, you wanted to get a, a bite within three to four days. What's considered a bite for you? Is it like a conversion? Someone actually purchases? Like what kind of are you running like a conversion type of ad or just trying to drive visitors? What's the the approach? Yeah, for me, well. Uh, for me, it pretty much comes down to uh, conversions. So if I if I'm doing uh, conversion tracking, uh, like I was saying, if I don't see, so I guess if I don't explicitly see um, X amount of conversions within three to four days, then I know for a fact uh, that that's probably not going to work out. So yes, conver- uh, conversions are are the are what I'm really looking at, you know, purchases. Got it. Now, one thing that you mentioned earlier that I think is a different approach than what you would find in most kind of t-shirt or, or fashion brands that, that pop up is that you are not only creating these designs, but you're combining it with what you see in the streetwear, uh, street fashion, streetwear fashion world. Can you say a little bit more about this? And what are some examples of, of, of combinations that you've come up with? Yeah. Um, so different things, um, I did, I mean, the hardest part was making some of this stuff, uh, cool because I mean, that's kind of the whole, mm-hmm. uh, whole thing with, with streetwear is that it's, it's very, uh, different. It's kind of edgy. It's, it's, um, it's cool, you know? So how can I, how can I merge? Basically I was, I was trying to come up with how can I merge, um, the anime world and, and make it something that's really cool. Like, like even if you don't like anime to some extent, you still might like the designs mm-hmm. because they're just, they're just cool, you know? So that's a lot of my thought process with all of my designs is, is how can I make something look, look cool for, for, you know, for uh, people in their twenties that they want to wear in a, in a city or something like that. So, um, that's pretty much uh that's, that's a big angle that I come from. On Got that. it. And so for anyone out there that, that wants to also start a t-shirt brand or some kind of a brand that designs uh, concepts for, for, for fashion and they don't have a design background like you have, what, what recommendations do you have here? Like where can they go or how can they uh, enter this world if they don't have that background that you have? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, one of the biggest things, I mean, is, is having good, especially when it comes to, to fashion, is having good design. So you really want to find someone, uh, in my opinion, that that's one of the most important things is finding someone that can uh, 
can work with you and shares the same idea or, you know, shares the same vision that you have. So, um, a lot of different ways you can find, I mean, there's designers out there, um, that you can find, uh, quite easily. I mean, I, I know a lot of other designers just from my background. Um, there's plenty of freelancers out there that are looking for work and I'm sure they'd be more than happy to, to come on and, you know, tackle projects like that. Uh, if you're in a similar situation. So, I mean, uh, ways to find them are through uh, different sites like Upwork. Um, if, you, if you've ever heard of Upwork.com, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of freelance uh, designers on there. I was one myself at once, <laughs> at one point in my life. Um, so I can tell you that Upwork has some really great freelance designers if, um, if you're looking there. Yeah. Um, and also just look around locally. I mean, look in your area. I mean, there's, there's, bound to be um, some talented designers in your area too. So, you know, people po- people will post on Craigslist and, and everything like that. So check around. Yeah, it's great that you have experience on both sides and that you've been at the, the freelance designer also now that you, you're doing the designs yourself for your, your own brand. So for anyone out there that wants to work with a freelance designer, what are some ways that you found it, uh, or what, what, are some, what are some ways that you found it best to work with an entrepreneur? Like if an entrepreneur comes along and they want to get some designs done, they don't have a design background, how can they effectively communicate to a, a designer? Right, so... Um, it's not necessary to meet in person, but I always think if you can, if it, if it is in any way possible, meeting in person uh, is, I think there's something to be said about that. It, it, it's it's huge and you can really explain a vision better because you're just, you can get hands on and you're, and you're right by each other. But if you can't, um, there's plenty of other ways to go about that. Um, you can, you know, do chats online, you have, you have Skype, FaceTime, all these things um, that make it certainly just as, as easy to do. Um, but Working, working through designs with, um, with an entrepreneur, like what I, what I had done in the past, um, it's, it's very important if, uh, if you're the entrepreneur, you, you have to really explain that, that vision of what you, what you want to them. So by that, I sort of mean you need to, if, if you can, like, I mean, even take a piece of paper and try and sketch out something, even if you have no artistic talent whatsoever, just, just to get like a basic idea so they can visually conceptualize uh, what you're, what you're going for. You know, I think that's very uh, important to, to make sure that you both understand exactly what you're looking for from the get go. Yeah, I think that's um, something I hear over and over again about being visual with the designer, showing them examples of other things that, that you like, things that you don't like, or even try sketching it out. I mean, the last thing you want to do is tell them, hey, make it pop or something like that, right? Yeah, don't use right. words, use exactly. actual visuals. That makes sense. So you, you mentioned that um, a couple times now about how you don't like taking the salesy approach and it hasn't happened, hasn't helped you in the past. When it comes to the Facebook ads and anywhere else you, you advertise, is that your approach there? as well do you try not to be too salesy yeah you know it's it's really funny and i'm sure this is different for many other niches but with my niche in particular um being salesy hurts me so i i and i've learned that because i've tried it over and over in the beginning and it just it doesn't work because you know that's what you you hear a lot of that from reading and and watching different youtube videos and everything there's you know Mm -hmm. you need call to actions and and they're definitely important like it's definitely important to have a shop now button or or something like that on your ad um so people are directed to go to the proper place and everything but um at least with my niche i found being honest with with people and just being a little more uh just trying to like connect with them on their level um you know so 
a really good example of a Facebook ad that was really successful for me and that I'm still running to this day, actually. It's been running for almost a year now. Um, is just, is just uh, I wrote this, this joke that was really, really relatable as the Facebook ad copy. And then I had a, a picture of, um, of uh, an actual, you know, person with the with the the piece of clothing on, so it wasn't just like a, you know your typical like shirt on a hanger type of thing, mm-hmm. and um, it just it took off. I mean, just just by ha- it was a, literally a one sentence one liner joke, and uh, and the the amount of people that were tagged in it or or people that found it hilarious were just were just it was overwhelming. So, I mean, something I mean, get get creative with the Facebook ads. Like, don't stick to the the typical methods because you might you might find something like that works and it certainly did for me so it was a joke related to to the t-shirt it was a joke related to the shirt itself because the 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 design itself actually was sort of a joke mm. um um and so i was kind of able to to play off of of that in the uh, in the ad copy got it and you mentioned that the in the in the image it was the shirt being worn rather than just uh you know laid out or on a hanger Did, have you found that that's uh, more effective for in general yeah that's that's interesting um it sometimes it is and sometimes it's not so if you're if you're if your picture is very clear um so if you have some like a model wearing wearing the piece of clothing um you want to make sure it's clear because I have had it backfire in the past where, you know, the picture is maybe not like you can't see the design as, as well because the the models turned a certain way or the lighting wasn't right or something like that. So sometimes just having like a, a template mock-up file of a shirt with the design like facing you forward totally clear does actually work better if you're trying to like, for instance, get the design out the first time. Like usually the, the very first time I present the designs, they'll just be on the on the mock-ups of the, of the shirts. Um, just because people like, you know, I want to make sure that they can clearly see what the design is right off mm-hmm. the bat. And then from there I can get a little more artistic with like having models and doing more artsy shots and stuff like that. Got it. So what's your approach to, to creating that, that, um, Facebook ad in terms of the image and, and the, the ad copy, if someone wants to take the same approach of just trying to be relatable rather than trying to be salesy, do you, Maybe not necessarily have a formula, but do you come into it with a a particular framework that you try to work with that has been effective for you? Yeah, I, I there's no real set formula with that because for me every design is different. Um, but I I have sort of tested around enough that I know what what works, like what what boundaries I can push and what you know what not to sort of touch. So um, I go in with it. I think I think copy in in my opinion is uh not crazy important even though i know that's sort of contradictory to what i said with that with that one ad but i still think visuals are mm-hmm. um super important especially when it comes to to instagram so for me it's really locking down that that picture and then the ad copy just sort of supplements like that that just makes the picture better you know if you can have mm-hmm. witty or unique copy that 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 goes with that great picture, then it's going to be, it's going to really hit home. Got it. So kind of what you're saying then is that a visual can make or break an ad, but the copy cannot. In my opinion, mm-hmm. yes. The, the copy just adds, I shouldn't say adds to the ad, it supplements the ad. So right. I think the copy is just, uh, it's important, but most people are going to see the picture first probably. 
Makes sense. So on Instagram, are you also just running uh, ads through the, the Facebook ad manager and targeting Instagram, or is your approach differently with ads on Instagram? Nope, that's exactly how I'm doing it. It's through the Facebook's ads manager, and I'm just setting up uh, Instagram ads in there. Got it. Do you work with any influencers? Um, I have, yeah. And it's um, that's that's interesting because I was, again, Instagram wasn't really something that I was super uh, big into uh, before this, uh, which is funny because now it's now I'm on it 24-7 practically. But um, it that definitely has played a good part, um, especially in the in the world that I'm working in with, with fashion and anime. Um, there's a lot of cosplayers out there. There's a lot of fashion enthusiasts. Um, and even if they don't have a crazy huge following, it's, it's worth sending a few pieces of clothing to them if they're willing to, you know, tag your page and, and show it off. Um, because you will get some really honest, uh, kind of almost organic traffic from, from anybody that follows them and is like, Hey, if they think this is cool, then maybe I should, I should check it out too. You know? Mm. You mentioned a little bit earlier about how there are certain boundaries that you can push up against, you don't want to cross. Are there is there a certain tone that you need to establish with your with your brand? Like can you give an idea of like what that is and how you came to to establish it? Yeah. So um the tone again as for for me at least, I'm not being too uh salesy or pushy. Um mm-hmm. for me it's really just uh like when it comes to posting on social media um, I try to just um, ask questions like, you know, some, sometimes, actually not sometimes, a lot of times I'm not even posting about my products. Um, I would say a good like 75% of the time I'm actually talking about like just anime with people, like asking them, hey, what shows are you watching now? Mm-hmm. Or what's your favorite anime character? Just something that gets the the community talking and engaging with each other. And and then they're sort of naturally excited about that. And, and they think that's cool that uh, a brand is talking about that stuff. And then they kind of just go to the, the site because they uh, they think that's neat that, you know, you're you're engaged and you know all that, you know. So that's that's been my approach with the tone on social media is just um just posting things people will like. And then, you know, now and then it isn't, it's important obviously to, to showcase your products now and then, but I just, I don't push it, um, down their throats, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that makes sense where you have to balance uh, content that's not product focused, but content that the audience actually likes, because I, I don't know about you, but I think for most people, when they are checking out a brand's Instagram page, if it's just constantly products, uh, you're probably not going to go back and look at it frequently. But if it's interesting content that's just beyond products that covers more breadth, I think it, it tends to pull people back into it more because there's more variety essentially to, to the content. So that, that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so are these products that you have on your store, are they all, do you hold an inventory or are they print on demand? Like what's your, what's your supply chain look like? Yes, that was for anybody looking to get into this. That was the absolute hardest decision um, in the beginning. Um, and it still is a decision that weighs on my mind to this day because I've, I've you know, there's so many different ways you can go about it um, with the clothing world. Uh, right now, currently I am print on demand and, um, there are definitely some serious pros to that, but there are also some, some cons as well. Um, so I don't hold any inventory. And to me, that is one of the major pros is that I never really have to, uh, completely worry about, you know, getting all this, uh, you know, inventory sold, you know, um, it's, it's sort of just, 
okay, I can, it allows me to, to test designs a little more freely mm-hmm. and uh, I don't have to stress so much about like, you know, if this design flops, oh, now I have, you know, a hundred shirts I have to sell, you know, something like that. So to me, that, that pro in itself weighed out any other con of, uh, of print on demand. So that is sort of my approach to why I, I went print on demand. What kind of cons have you have experienced though? So with the cons, um, Definitely, there's a little bit of a margin, uh, profit margin, um, mm-hmm. you know, take back that you get from going with print on demand because it is a little more exclusive. You know, that that convenience does does affect your profit margin slightly. But for me, um, it's worth it just to not have to worry about uh, a massive amount of inventory that I have to hold. And it also offsets any expenses of having warehousing, um, any fulfillment, stuff like that. Like all of it's taken care of by one one company that I work hand in hand with and, and they've been incredible, uh, incredible with me. So, mm-hmm. and can you, can you tell us a little about the, the, the vendor applications that you use for print on demand? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I actually work with a company called uh, printful and, um, they're pretty, I would say they're pretty popular now. When yeah. I started with them, they weren't, they weren't quite as huge as they are now. Um, but, uh, they are absolutely amazing to work with. So, um, like I said, little gets a little expensive with print on demand um, sometimes, just because again you're paying for that convenience. But for the customer service you get with Printful, for the the fulfillment times, I mean, they it, when an order gets placed on my site, it's it's almost always sent out within in two days. And you know, if someone's in, based in the U.S., they get it within the week. It's it's it makes my life so much easier, and then it lets me focus on. Um, the things that are important to me, like design, actually designing, um, you know, the shirts and, um, and focusing on the, the website and the marketing and all that. So it takes all that stress off of, off of me. Makes sense. So I think one thing with Printful and other print on demand services is that they provide a variety of, of, I guess, base t-shirts or whatever Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, uh, clothing you're looking for. How do you decide which one to to go with? I think this is a a, a point where there's some analysis paralysis about which which uh, base T-shirt or base you know hoodie or whatever to go for. Yes. Also, <laughs> also something very uh, tough to decide early on. And again, that's also something I still think about to this day: is how can I how can I make my shirts better? Um, how what material can I use? And um, but. One of the biggest things I did um, was I ordered blanks of every single shirt they offered in the beginning. So I just I just took the few hundred dollars and I just said I'm going to test every single shirt and feel it in person and look at it in person, uh, so I can really understand mm-hmm. what I'm working with here. So I think that's really important: is don't just go off reviews or or uh, eyeball it online. Like you, when it comes to clothing, you really want to you really want to feel it, touch it, and see it in person. Um, that's critically important. So I tested every piece of clothing they had in the beginning that I knew I wanted to work with. Like, you know, I knew I wanted hoodies, uh, t-shirts and sweatshirts. So, uh, anything that they offered in that realm, I ordered and, and saw it in person and, um, kind of went from there. Also something that was, uh, important to me, uh, personally was that it was, uh, as ethically produced as possible. Um, I'm pretty, pretty passionate about that. So I wanted to make sure that, um, they had options like that as well. And, and they did, which was great. Nice. So with Printful, do you also have a, a team in, in place or can you, do you run this entire thing yourself? So at the, at the, at this moment in time, um, I'm doing everything on my own. Um, 
And again, I, I probably wouldn't be able to do that without Printful or mm-hmm. without the print on. If I was, you know, the model where I did have inventory and stuff like that, I, I'm almost positive I would have a, a full team by now. But it's it's kind of been nice not having those expenses at the moment, um, just because of the the print on demand model and how, and how how great Printful is to work with. Like, um, there, like I said, if if I ever have an issue with anything, uh, they're they're always willing to respond and take care of it. I mean, with sometimes within minutes, I'll email them and they'll get back to me. It's it's crazy. Very cool. So with the website, you mentioned that you're a designer. So I'm assuming that this was created all by yourself. Yes, this is all. This is everything. Everything you see is totally by myself. Nice. Did you have like a, a, a Shopify theme that you, you chose, or is it done from scratch? Yeah, in the in the beginning, um, I worked with the I think it was called the minim, minimalistic or minimal theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked that. I just liked how it just sort of displayed the products up front, and and you could throw in uh, you know slideshows, and and it made it really easy up front just to to have that and as something to start with before I I got too crazy. Um, but as of today, yeah, now I'm running a, a totally custom theme that that I I worked on. Um, so how yes. long did that that project take? Um, not terribly long. I mean, um, the nice thing is, is you can usually search around on different marketplaces and find some, some theme or, uh, you know, templates that have been created already. And then you can just sort of modify it from there. So there's like, uh, uh, monster template, there's Envato market, creative market, all these different places online where you can find different designers who have sort of created different themes um, that you can upload into your Shopify store and then modify it from there. So that's usually how I'll start. I don't go totally custom um, because there's already so many great starting points Mm -hmm. that you can work with out there. Yeah, no need to reinvent the wheel too much. Exactly. Yeah. What what did you want to add to your your store by taking this more custom approach? What what was essentially missing that you wanted to, to be able to control on your own? Yeah, uh, for me, it was mostly just adding um, some specific content a little easier. Um, so, uh, in in my case, I really wanted to have uh, some like parallax design, which is where you have those like banners and they kind of scroll mm-hmm. uh, really cleanly in the background, uh, and just adding some custom content sections. So, like, I wanted uh, some testimonial sections and just to be able to lay things out a little bit differently and not so uh, rigid. Um, and not to, not to totally, I don't want to rip on the Shopify themes. There's a lot of really great Shopify themes out there, mm-hmm. but in terms of just, uh, you know, managing how I can control the the content and the, in terms of placement and what I can add, uh, that was the, the biggest thing for me was, uh, with going a little more custom. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. One other page that I recognize that I haven't seen on other stores is that you have a, a page in, in linked to from the navigation called coupons. What, what was mm-hmm. the, uh, the idea behind this? So this is really funny. I actually, I, I came up with this idea, uh, not by myself, actually. I saw a website once upon, this was, this was ages ago. I, I, uh, stumbled across this website that had this in their navigation and I'm like, wow, that's interesting. You never really see that on a website, like an actual dedicated in their navigation coupons page. Yeah. Most stores will make you work to find the coupon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wasn't sure how I felt about the idea at first, but I made sure they were small enough that they didn't really hurt my profit margin, you know, to any really crazy extreme. But they were like little incentives 
that people can can go to this page and they see it and they and it's actually inspired more orders over time like um you know with Shopify I can track the discount codes and see how many times they've been used and I mean these have worked wonders uh on on my site just by having this dedicated page and it almost becomes like a game too uh and it's kind of interesting and fun for the for the shoppers because they see they have three. If you go to the coupons page, there's three different options they have to choose. Mm-hmm. They can get free shipping, five percent off, or two dollars off your total order. So a lot of people I've noticed have, and they've they've told me that they'll play around with their order and see what works out best. And uh, again, it just kind of creates this incentive for them to to purchase even more. Yeah, I like that. That it. Well, I'm assuming it will drive up the average order value too. In certain cases where mm-hmm. they need to do that to reach like things like free shipping. And, yes. Yeah. So, what 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 other um, what what applications are you using to to power your website or just your business? Right. So I'm using uh, quite a few applications. Um, there's definitely some that. I feel are like <laughs> almost necessary in any Shopify store because these are pretty applicable uh, across the entire uh, realm here. So um, one of them I'm using is, um, I mean, I can give you specific names of them if you want. Um, yeah, please. Uh, Beautiful Abandoned Cart Emails. That is one of the first apps I ever installed. And it was something that I realized, you know, even before starting the store that there'd probably be a lot of people that would come to the store, but maybe wouldn't be ready to buy uh, right off the bat. So I instantly found the uh, most affordable and uh, probably the best uh, abandoned cart email um, re- you know responder that I could that I could work with. And this was one of the ones I found on the app store. Like I said, it was beautiful abandoned cart emails is the name of it. what what's in that what goes out in the email and how freak or how soon does it go out? Yeah, so basically you're allowed to you can put in whatever you want so you can set you can customize the the abandoned uh, cart emails however you want. It sends out um, two emails. Uh, the first one goes out within um, 12 hours and the second one comes about two days later. So um, it's an interesting span of time and you can you can customize that yourself um, but it also has an an auto optimization feature uh, built into it so it kind of knows it'll learn over time what what time frame works best for for your customers and business which is pretty cool mm-hmm. what, what have you found is it the sooner the better or give them a day what's what's worked out for you um so I think it's the the, the the first one, the twelve-hour one, is a good time frame because it's not—it's not immediately after they leave the site, but it's within that same day. So if they maybe did it in—you know—they went to the site in the morning, and mm-hmm. then like you know in the evening, like before they're going to bed or something like that, um, they may, maybe they just forgot that they went to the site or they were thinking about it and just needed that reminder. So I think that first twelve-hour one is what really hits, and then. Um, the second one, like I said, comes about two day, almost two days uh, after they visit the site, and that's that's also helped as well because uh, if if people you know visited the site and they forgot about it, it sort of reminds them later in the week, like, hey, you know, you went to the site earlier. Do you want to do you want to complete this order? So I don't know. I think to to, to me at least, those two uh, those two time frames have worked out really well. Got it. Yeah. So what what other apps? Uh, so other apps that I use. Um, are I think probably the second one of the second most important ones um, that I went with was um, this Sales Pop by uh, Beak. I'm sorry if I'm saying the wrong name wrong, but it's Beak Beaketing mm-hmm. um, Sales Pop. It's this little little like a uh, kind of unintrusive pop up that comes in the bottom corner 
uh, of your website. And it just sort of lets people know uh, that someone just purchased something somewhere. And it's it's kind of like this cool little uh, trust system that you can see that people are are buying uh, from you know your site. And when your visitors are on there, they see that and they they you know they're like, oh, okay, other people are are buying from the site, and and they're also able to click on it and see what the product was that they bought, so they can take them right to that product page if they see it and they like that that shirt that somebody bought, you know, or something like that. So that's been a really cool. Uh, it's I wouldn't say it's completely necessary, but it's definitely definitely an awesome awesome little uh, app to have on the site. Have you seen like a bump in in conversions from adding that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually, it's funny. I and I, I tested that uh, very early on when I had it on my site. I took it off for a couple months. I, I thought maybe it was a little. Yeah, I'm I'm not super big on pop ups, and I, I thought maybe uh you know this might be maybe this is too intrusive. And uh, after taking it off for two months, I actually noticed a decline yeah. in in sales. And then when I put it back on, it went right back up. Uh, it was pretty 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 much like clockwork. It was very interesting to me to see that. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a helpful app. Um, mm-hmm. I have a few others if you want me to go yeah, over please. those too. Um, so one of the other ones I use is, um, this it's called mobile converter. It's also by uh, beaconing. And this is, uh, to me, this is a really important one because, uh, most of my sales come from mobile devices as I'm sure a lot of other, uh, Shopify stores and, and websites, uh, have as well. So basically what this app does is it puts um, a uh, buy now button uh, kind of sticky at the top of the product page. So when someone's viewing a product and they start to scroll on that page in any way, shape or form, um, it sort of hovers down from the top and it's not like it doesn't doesn't cover a lot of the page. It's just a little tiny little bar. And but it's enough that you notice it and you see the, the buy now button and that has brought a ridiculous uh, conversion rate um, to the site, and I would, I would never, I would never take it off, take it off the site. Yeah. And so this is a, a uh, it's basically for mobile traffic only. It, yes, I actually, I don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. I've never used mm-hmm. it on desktop, but I'm pretty sure this is just explicitly for mobile. Um, right. But yes, it's it's a great thing to have because sometimes your add to cart button is below the fold. And, uh, you know, sometimes people don't see that right away or they, they just miss it for whatever reason. So it's nice to have that other second alternative kind of come from the top and it, it almost makes it impossible to, to miss it. Um, but it's also not so invasive that it's covering your whole screen or anything like that. So definitely a worthy app to have on the site, uh, for sure. <laughs> Probably the last, last one I'll mention, and this has also been, uh, critical to, to my site is, um, they, I think they changed the name of the app. Um, I'll actually look it up here. It's sure. uh, Web Web Push and Facebook Messenger Conversion Marketing by Push Nova. It's a very long name, but basically, um, the app is um, it's it's Web Push notifications. So everybody knows about email marketing and and posting on social media and running Facebook ads and all that. But this is sort of a a, a different approach to it's like a it's like a newer sort of email marketing i guess um and i'm sure people have seen this on sites where you go uh, go to a website and a little pop-up comes in the in the left corner uh, at least on desktop and it and it says you know block or allow uh notifications and mm. and all, all people have to do is literally just click that allow button and and then they're sort of they're they're signed up for notifications so it's super it's super easy sign up for people and um 
And it's just incredibly helpful when I want to just get a quick little message out. So say I have a, a new product or a new design that I launched. I'll go into this app and just just type in, you know, new designer or, or whatever my copy is going to be. Throw the picture of the of the design in there and click send. And then whenever somebody's in their web browser, um, that little little pop up will come to them. So it's almost like it's almost like getting a and it's like getting an email, but while you're surfing the internet, it's it's very interesting, and it it's definitely helped bring a lot of traffic uh, to, and conversions to the site. That's cool. So they don't even have to be on your site to get this push notification. That's right. Yep they can they can be pretty much anywhere <laughs> on the internet as long as they have a browser open, and uh, they can, they can pretty much see the notification. Got it. Yeah, I see. I obviously noticed that when I went to your site. Do you find that most people will opt into this? Like, what's the what what have you found in terms of getting people to actually subscribe essentially to this pop up? Yes, um, I've actually. It's funny. I've actually had more people subscribe to this than than um, email marketing, uh, which might be the placement of where my newsletter sign up is. That might be mm-hmm. something I, I actually need to look into. It's also easier to sign up, right? All of these click a button or something. It and is. Then... Yeah, and people. It doesn't feel intrusive or anything. I mean, you literally just click the allow button. That's that's it. Or, or I mean, if people don't want it, they click the the block button. It's 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 really that easy. So there's no no one has to. They don't. Nobody feels like they're giving away any information or anything. It's 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 really. Very easy to work with. I wonder if you could, can, I'm, I'm not sure if you do this already, but I wonder if you could pair it up with some kind of incentive where every once in a while, whoever subscribed essentially to this notification will also get a discount code or access to shares early or something, some kind of incentive to get them to you know, essentially you know, opt into it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a way to necessarily do that explicitly, um, mm-hmm. like in the actual thing that pops up on the site where you can say, you know, right. sign up here for. T- I think it's au- like an automated, like standard piece of writing that ha- always comes up, no matter no matter what you uh, you do. But I'm I'm sure you know through social media and through uh, whatever outlets you have, if you let people know, like, hey, if you if you turn, uh, you know, if you allow these notifications on, we'll send you a ten percent discount. You know, something like that. You could absolutely do that, and that that's something I've done in the past too, and it definitely works. Very cool. Yeah, I think also in one of your pre-interview uh, questions, you mentioned that you also have an app called Help Center to to build your FAQ page. Yes, that's right. Help Center is um, <laughs> that's actually been a very life-saving app, and I should have mentioned that earlier because I think it's very important to have a really good FAQ page, especially um, especially with an e-commerce site. I mean, people have questions about everything and anything when it comes to shipping, uh, you know, shipping times, um, you know, where, where are you located? Um, how can we get in touch with you? Um, what do I do if I have a, a return or a refund or an exchange or anything like that? You know, it's, it's very important, uh, to have those all spelled out on the site in a, in a really convenient way. And that's sort of what the help center app does is it just, it just creates this nice little sort of like accordion drop down of, different sections of questions that you can organize, uh, you know, frequently asked questions and you can just write the answers right there. And it, and it helps a lot too, in terms of customer service and, and the amount of time you have to respond back to emails, because if you have it prominently displayed on your site, like I have the, uh, the FAQ right in my main navigation. So it's, it's easy for people to find. Um, I've noticed that ever since I put that on the site, I've, the amount of emails I, I, uh, was receiving in terms of common questions, uh, decrease significantly. 
Got it. So thank you so much for your time, Brian. What are your plans for the future? Do you do you want to expand and scale up or do you like keeping it the size of this today? Like where, where do you want to go with the, the brand? Yeah, I uh, I mean, I'm always I'm always a game to have it expand. Uh, I'd like to see it keep growing and, uh, you know, and just connecting as many people as I can to this to this uh kind of unique niche. Um, it's, it's, it's fun for me. I get excited with it and, uh, it's, it's something that I hope I can keep doing for a very long time. Very cool. Can you give us an idea of how, how large you've grown the business over the last uh, four years? Sure. Do you want that in terms, I mean, in terms of, 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 uh, sales numbers or yeah, like whatever you're willing media? to share? Yeah. Um, I mean, it pretty much went zero to, to 300 K in the, in the first year, um, just from, from testing wow. everything. And, uh, with, in terms of social media, also everything's in the, the, uh, you know, five digit thousand, uh, range with everything mm-hmm. also, also starting from, you know, from nothing. So if you don't think it can happen, I think, I think one of my biggest things, and, and this is something I just preach even outside of e-commerce is just, you, you never know until you try, you know, and if you have a really genuine, passionate, passion about something, you really want to make something happen. Uh, if you just, if you just really put your mind to it, you can make it happen. Awesome. So Sugoi Shirts, that's S-U-G-O-I-S-H-I-R-T-S.com. Again, thank you so much for your time, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. If their reaction you know, smells like somebody who's not believing it and not understanding it, then we'll walk the other way. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com slash blog. 